0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, today we're going to be taking a look at an account from the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, if you are not terribly familiar with Joseph or it's been a while, let me give you a minute of of context. Let's recap uh, what had happened to Joseph before our reading. Joseph had started life in a relatively cushy place. He was part of a wealthy family. He was great-grandson of Abraham, probably heard that name before, and he was the favorite of his dad, Jacob. But he had brothers, and they were not happy with him. Uh, First of all, they were understandably jealous of all the favoritism their dad kept showing Joseph, he was the son of Jacob's favorite wife. And, and there was that super fancy coat that dad gave him. But it it kind of seems like maybe Joseph leaned into this a little too hard. He could have tried to keep peace with his brothers. But instead, he did things like he, he was the one who ratted on their bad behavior when they were off tending the flocks unsupervised. And he had those, those dreams that he... he couldn't help but tell everyone about, right? He 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 dreamt once that everybody in the family had bundled up some wheat in the field and everybody else's bundles bowed down to his bundle. Or the one where uh, the sun, the moon and 11 stars, he had 11 brothers, sun, the moon and 11 stars all bowed down to him. Yeah, maybe maybe he shouldn't have been bragging about that one. Okay. The short of it is the damage was done and his brothers hated him for it. And eventually they had enough of him and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, they plotted to kill him. Eventually, slightly cooler heads prevailed and instead of killing him, they overpowered him, they sold him into slavery, into a foreign country, and they just let dad think that a wild animal had killed him. And so around the age of 17, Joseph's life went from comfortable and favored to slavery. And that is about where we pick up today. Joseph had been sold to an Egyptian household to a man named Potiphar. He'd been there a little while at least. And it seems like he learned his lesson in arrogance it seems he did his job so well, so faithfully that he was he was pretty much in charge of everything. He had his master, yes, but the house was was his to run as he saw fit. And that's that's where our reading today picks up, and I want to read the, the first section here. It says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So... Potiphar's wife, for whatever reason, took notice of the fine-looking young man Joseph had grown to be and wanted to sleep with him. And, and we just read his response, but I want to take a minute here and I want to appreciate the answer he gave. Because we might just read over that and go, okay, good, he said, no, go Joseph, that's the right thing to do. Let's maybe talk about all the reasons Joseph had to say Yes. And understand, this this may not have been as, as easy for him or as simple as that. Because he had every reason to feel that he owed God nothing. I mean, he had been riding life high and comfy and he lost it all because of outward forces. He didn't do anything to make that happen. He didn't make mistakes. God did this to him. And... Okay, he was, let's be real here, he was young, he was alone, and he's full of the usual urges. And this was the master's wife. So if he said no to a request of hers, even though it was a wrong request, if he said no to her, she could make things unpleasant for him. And in fact, we're going to see she did. But instead, he says quite plainly, How then could I do such a great thing and a great, a wicked thing and sin against God? Did you catch that? It wasn't even the master he was concerned about. He understood that it was God who had placed him in this position. And any sin he committed was going to be against God alone. Reminds me of another example. You probably have heard this one too. King David. When he actually gave in to a similar temptation. And afterwards, David says to God, against you and you only have I sinned. David, you got a married woman pregnant and you had her husband killed to cover it up. How do you say it was against you, God, that I sinned? But David recognized that ultimately sin is a crime against God. Joseph understood this was a matter of obeying his God. And so we have to understand this is where he drew his strength from, his trust in God. And that strength, that trust in God helped him overcome. He stood firm. He refused to give in. But as we're going to see, it wasn't just a once and done no. That did not satisfy her. She wasn't about to give up that easily. And so our reading continues here. It says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. But one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So day after day, Joseph had to deal with this temptation. Day after day, she her Joseph to have her way with him. And again and again, He refused. He did his best. He even went so far as to try to not be in the same room as her. Because he understood, I mean, the best way to really overcome temptation is just to avoid it altogether. He tried, but she was persistent. So one day after one more failed attempt at this persuasion, when Potiphar's wife was left holding Joseph's outer cloak, she decided she had had enough. If she couldn't get what she wanted, then Joseph should be punished. And so she manipulated her husband. She told the story backwards so that Joseph would end up being the one punished for not giving in to her. And so for doing the right thing, Joseph got thrown in prison. Let that sink in for just a minute. The first time maybe, Joseph was acting a little arrogant. His brothers tried to kill him, but then sold him into slavery. Okay, not super fair, but sort of understandable. This time, Joseph was repeatedly badgered, stood firm on doing the right thing, and was thrown in prison. I mean, ask yourself honestly, would your faith survive that? Joseph was seemingly built up by God twice and kicked down twice now. It would make perfect sense for him to be completely done with this God of his father. But he didn't. He wasn't. And look at what happened next as the reading finishes. He understood that God could not forsake him despite any outward appearances, despite any outward events. And you look at what happened there, he ended up in a position of authority again. He ended up in charge of all the other prisoners. And if you keep reading Joseph's story when you get home, which I highly recommend, we learn that being in prison put him in the right place at the right time to interpret the Pharaoh's dreams, dreams about years of plenty and years of famine, And through that, Joseph managed to become second in command of Egypt and in charge of storing up the food during those years of plenty and distributing it during the famine years, food which saved his own family during those years of famine. In fact, we we get a glimpse into Joseph's thought process, his understanding of all of these events, when he finally does get to confront his brothers when they come to him for food they don't even know it's him at first but in the end joseph recognized the lord's hand and he says to his brothers you intended to harm me but god intended it for good how much good was done because joseph was in the right place at the right time through what the lord allowed to happen Joseph did not lose his faith in his God. He stood firm, and God never left him. God never failed to bless him, no matter what happened to him and no matter where he ended up. <clears throat> Friends, do you see the parallels in our lives to Joseph's? We are Believers in the true God, living in a foreign land that doesn't know, and doesn't understand him, barely recognizes him. And we have been brought to faith by his power and we trust in him for everything in our lives. We know he is everything to us. We know that we are destined for eternal life because... Jesus has paid the price for our sins because Jesus died and Jesus rose. We have a future forever in God. That is what we trust. And so in thanks and in response to God's great love that he shows us because he's faithful to us, we show that love back to our God by trying to to live how he asks, to live how he sees us. We strive to overcome temptation. We strive to to not sin against our God because of the love he has shown us. Not to earn his love, but because of it. And it's not as simple as saying we want to do it, right? We're faced with temptation. And when we do that, we have, we all have that that voice within us. Just like I'm sure there was one in Joseph. Joseph that gives us all the reasons why we should give in. That voice that we call the sinful nature is what we're fighting. And it's God that we're trying to serve. And like Joseph, we can't just keep our head down and stay out of trouble. You don't have to go looking for temptation in our world for it to find you. If We just want to look at the one example here that, that Joseph struggled with sexual immorality you don't have to go looking for it to be tempted by it do you it's hard to walk from your house to your car without getting attacked by that one our culture embraces and encourages us to embrace open sexuality entices us with images and movies tv advertising clothing is designed and sold with the intention of being provocative it we're not even talking about pornography. It's just there and it, it, it tempts us to sin. And that's just one example. You you know the temptations that are common to you. You know what you struggle with day after day, and the world does not let up. The world wants you to join its side. It pokes at us day after day, like Potiphar's wife, to give in to that temptation. We can do our best to avoid it, and we should where we can, but that's not always possible. It finds us. And and the voice whispers in our ear. It gives us all those great reasons why you should give in. You'll really like it. No one has to know about it. It's not going to hurt anyone. What has God done for you lately anyway? In fact, fact things are pretty miserable right now i i need this for comfort god's gonna understand letting this one slide hey, what does god care really it's not like this affects him sure we've all heard those and it seems like every time we we manage to in god's strength say no It only intensifies. It only gets worse the next time. It gets difficult to hold on. Our sinful nature will take any excuse to justify the sin. It does not care why we do it. It doesn't care why we rebel against God just so long as we do. And if we fooled ourselves into thinking that somehow God's okay with this, more the better. It is only through firm trust in God, like, like Joseph did, that we are going to hold out. But it's not even that simple, is it? Because like Potiphar's wife, the world can start to get impatient with us. And the longer we stand firm in God, the more irritated those forces get until they turn from enticements to threats. Look, I really want you to do this for you. But if you're not going to give in, we're going to have to start making things uncomfortable for you. And the temptation switches from giving in for personal comfort to let's give in to avoid pain. I'm sure we've all faced it. Now we don't generally, generally in our lives here, we don't risk Physical harm or imprisonment, but it still happens to us. It's it's peer pressure, it's ridicule. If we don't go and see that movie with our friends, there must be something wrong with us. If we if we speak up for God against the the sexual sins of our world, we're labeled old-fashioned. We're small-minded. We're intolerant. If we don't join in with the the joking and the the, la- the language, we're, we're uptight. We're no fun. If we even talk about our God, you're a Jesus nut. I'm sure we've even faced discrimination at work or school for our beliefs. The world does not want you to stand firm in your God. It seems kind of bleak when I put it that way. And I'm not going to lie, it's tough. It's tough to stare down the face of those attacks and stand firm, but look again at Joseph. Potiphar's wife tried to get Joseph punished for standing firm. And through her attack, what happened? Yeah, he ended up second in command of Egypt. Friends, I'm going to make you a promise here because it's not my promise, it's God's promise. The Lord will use every one of those attacks to bless you. It's not that he can. It's not that he could or may. He will. It's not like Joseph had a special monopoly on the favor of the Lord. You don't have to turn any further than that familiar catechism passage from Romans. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things. All things. Joseph's life is just one example. The joke is on the world that tries to attack us. Because our God will turn that attack into a blessing. Just as God once turned, say, the execution of an innocent man on the cross into a blessing for the whole world. So all the punishment that the world tries to throw at you will be used to bless you. Trusting our God, standing firm on this, we hold on despite the outward appearances. Because let's, let's also be honest about this. Joseph did not know what was coming. He did not have a special promise from God that he wasn't just going to spend the rest of his life in the depths of a prison. He didn't stand firm because he expected earthly reward for his faithfulness. He did it because he knew God was his Savior for eternity and that would outlast where he was sitting right now. The eternal salvation is what we stand for. We hold on to that same promise. We trust fully in the same God. And friends, that trust, this is, this is the important part, that trust doesn't come from you. It is a gift of God. That is where our strength comes from to hold out. It comes from God. We build that trust. We access that power. We gain that strength in his word, in regular study, in in Bible study, in devotions. Our trust is built up so that we can face the temptations of the world and we can stand firm when there are consequences. At the same time, Joseph is a, a great example, but I don't want to deify him. He was still a sinful human being. He gave in to temptation in his life, I can promise you. It's important to remember that we're going to do the same. We will fail from time to time, and probably daily, as we try to stand firm. But that is not a reason to lose hope. Our God comes back to us again through his word every time, lifts us up, and says, I forgive you. He reminds us, Jesus died for that sin too. Having dusted us off, he helps us back on our way, encouraging us again, providing us more strength so that we can face the next temptation. Friends, in short, will you suffer for standing firm in God? Yes. Will you be blessed through it? Also, yes. The attacks will not stop, but neither will the love and blessings of our God. We must stand with him. You can do that. You can only do that through his power. And we get that through his word. Stick close to God. Stay close to his power and face up to the world. My brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand unafraid for God. Amen.